you know, some of the, the things, you know, just to add in, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things that is in this, uh, uh, in this book is, is the word no, like to know, what does it mean to know God? Mm. And, you know, I, I did a little bit of research and I found out that that word no is the word yada. Yada. And based off from what I've read and heard and listened to a little bit, um, heard and listened to, that's the same thing. Right. But based off from what I've gotten so far, that word no is a little different. It's not necessarily this word that means like knowledge, like mm-hmm. you're memorizing a bunch of vocabulary words. Or yeah. It's not necessarily just simply an intellectual knowledge. Mm-hmm. When he's talking about, I want you to know me. Right. He He's saying, you know, I want you to know me at a very relational level. Yes. It's not necessarily that you want to just, that you just know about someone. Correct. Like there's some famous person. I may know a lot about them, right. but I don't know them. Exactly. And they don't even know me, you know? Right. So it's like, I could know every, I could know their birthday. I could know, you know, their uh-huh. height, their weight, their, I could know everything about them. Yes, you could. But I still don't truly know them. And I think it's important to, talk about that because I know a lot of people that feel like they know a lot about God. (laughs) People that could probably even quote a lot of scriptural passages about God. Sure. People who know a lot of theology, you know, and doctrine about God. Right. But do they necessarily know God? And what does that even mean? Yeah. And, and to your question, So um, a good example is Jesus is walking along and he encounters demons. They know who he is. They know him. So it's the old adage, you know, uh, even the demons know and they shudder, right? Um, The question becomes, um, you know, the question becomes, what does Yada mean, right? Where does it go? So, so I would, I would, I would argue that there are basically four areas that, that, in, that encompass this Hebrew word yada. Certainly it's the knowledge of just factual knowledge of, you know, what's the capital of Missouri, Jefferson city. Great. Have you ever been there? Do you know what the best places to eat are there? You know um, what is the, you know, where's a good place to get a cup of coffee, you know, down by the Capitol building, you see how we're getting into different levels of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so, so you have just sort of factual knowledge. You, you, you have sort of more intimate or maybe more familiar knowledge. But one of the other things is that you would notice God. Now that may sound strange, but one of our greatest challenges that we have in this world is, is because of our brokenness, because of our sin is we do not notice God. We do not notice his work. So many people will say to me, I don't, you know, God is absent from my life. And I always just sort of have to just bite my tongue. And I'm like, oh, really? And then, and then they'll say, yeah, if, if he was going to show up, where is he? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm talking to you right now. He might've sent me. I don't know. We can just see what happens, but to notice God working in their life and then to, and then to hear of him. Okay. This is another, this really interesting thing. So you would hear of God. So you're, you're, you're learning the story of God. You're learning, you're hearing people, other people talk about their stories of God, their encounters with him. You learn about him, you grow in him. And then the other part of Yadah is to actually talk 
to him and about him. So it's, it's, it, and then we haven't even got to the last part, but you know, certainly Yada is also the word for sexual relationship Mm. in Hebrew. Now that sounds really bizarre to us and almost you're like, no, Mark, you guys, you know, you already started inappropriate with Hosea. Now you're just going off the rails, but actually it is that because in, in a marriage environment, the sexual part of that relationship is ultimately the consummation. I mean, that's what the word comes from of that relationship. And so it's saying we're going to be intimate. We're going to be trusting on every level. And so, so you, you want to notice God, you want to hear of God, you want to learn about God. You want to, you want to even speak about God and even speak to him, pray to him, these kinds of things. But it's also, it's not that it's not that God wants, wants to have sex with you. I know that sounds so silly, but imagine a relationship where God was that close because that's, that's what ultimately Yada is leading us to. And it's not lost on God that that's what he is when in fact Jesus is called the bridegroom and the church is called his bride. And in the book of Revelation, there's this thing called the wedding feast. And so while, while God's consummation isn't going to be sexual intercourse with the church, so again, we don't misunderstand, there is going to be this consummation that happens. We see it in Revelation 22, where we live with him, we dwell with him, we build a life together with him in trust that isn't broken. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, that's where you see in some of these um, different translations of the Bible, when you see something that's like, you know, Adam knew his wife yeah, Eve. Right. That's it's right. that, it's that very idea that you're talking about. But I was just kind of thinking out loud as you were talking about a different thing was, you know, in, in um, Matthew chapter seven, Okay. I think about where, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Mm. Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Yes. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Yeah. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, two lords there. Mm -hmm. And Lord is a serious word. Yes, it is. It means we pledge allegiance to you. That's right. Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? This is a passage. This is a real wrestling passage because Jesus is talking about doing the will of my father who is in heaven. Right. And then you start thinking, okay, well, I prophesied in your name. That, That was your will, wasn't it? Right. I cast out demons in your name. That was... That was your will, right? Like that's what you wanted us to do and do mighty works. There's that word works. There it is. That's our, that's the church's favorite word. There it is. (laughs) In your name. Right. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. you. Yeah. We're back to that distinction between religion and relationship. And again, you know, maybe religion isn't the best word because it can be confusing because people define it so many different ways. But the idea is, let's, let's say it like this, set the word religion on the shelf and now insert whatever you think you have to do for God. 
Mm. And whatever that is, that's your religion. Right. And, and here we are in Hosea and God says to Hosea, go marry a whore. <laughs> what is that going to do to your religion? Do you see what I'm saying? It's going to nuke it. It's going to just, it's going to break all the categories of what do I need to do for God? And now it's going to, it's going to replace it with, I just want to know you. Yeah. It's Jesus saying, I never knew you. You go out and you do all these things. You keep track of every time you teach Sunday school, you show me, you've got a book of all your tithes at home. You got all these things. I mean, still please send in your tithes. That's always the joke. But no, the point is, is no, don't, don't do it. If that's what you think it's doing. Right. And so, and so what it is, is we, we have to see that God wants to know us. Like he wants to be with us when, our boss calls us in and says, you know what? The way you guys handled that was awesome. He wants us to, to be, he wants to be involved in that. When you, when you and your lover are together and you're watching a sunset and you're just sharing a special moment, like he doesn't want to be a third wheel in that regard. Don't get me wrong, but he wants you later on when you're reflecting back on that to say, thank you for giving us that. Right. I mean, that's what he's interested in. He doesn't want your religious nonsense. Certainly, I express my faith through religious practice. No question. I, we have the Lord's Supper. We baptize people. All those things are religious practices. And we're going to sing hymns till we're dead, till Jesus comes back. But that's because we want to know him. Yeah. And they're trusting, you know, in this situation, they are trusting in their works. Yeah. They're trusting in what they have what done. What they have done. Again, well they think that they're, they're dying and that they can still resuscitate themselves <laughs> when truly they are dead. Yeah. And there is nothing they can do to resuscitate themselves. No. And so it is at that moment, you know, I think trust is the great word there because it truly is this moment of, I have no idea, right? I have no idea how any of this is going to work out. You know, and living in 2020, uh, that's when we're recording this. I mean, we can especially appreciate that. Right. I have no idea what tomorrow holds. I have no idea how any of this is going to work out. There is no way that I am going to be able to figure this out on my own. I am truly... You know, I truly am the prostitute in Hosea who is just totally lost. Yeah. And, and just, and really feeling like there's no way that God would love me, that God would want to have a relationship. Oh, with me. see, that's where I love how you're going there. Cause now we're going into the 200 proof gospel. We're talking about that hard liquor that's down in the basement. That's the kind of gospel we're getting to because ultimately it's, it's like there was a, there was an old Matt Chandler sermon that went around the internet. You might've seen it. It's about the rose, right? And he tells the story about how there's this gal that he knew and she was really struggling. Does she believe in God? Does she not believe in God and everything. And, and he goes, Hey, he goes, you know, we're having this thing tonight down at the auditorium. They were doing a campus ministry thing and we're going to go there and we're going to, you know, we're going to, we know some people in the band. It's going to be a really good time. And, and so he's thinking we can get her to know God a little bit. Right. And so they go down there, the band plays great. And there's this intermission and this preacher comes up and he has in his hand, the rose 
and it is beautiful. It's sublime. And then he, he says, here, he hands it out to somebody in the crowd and says, take a look at that rose, you know, and pass it around a little bit. And so he starts preaching a sermon about whatever. And meanwhile, the rose is getting passed around the whole crowd. And after a while he goes, Hey, Hey, who's got that rose? Pass it back up here. And, and he, gets the rose and it is just, it is jacked up now. You know, the petals are coming off. The stem is broken. I mean, it's barely holding together. It is no longer beautiful. And then the preacher delivers his crescendo, his, his, he's knocking it out of the park. Who would want this? He was basically talking about sexual immorality. You know, he's saying the rose has slept around the whole crowd, right? Who would want this? And Matt, of course, young, not a preacher yet, Matt Chandler, he's like, he's so mad. Like he wants to go and choke this guy. Like that's how he described his anger because he wanted to, to, he wanted this gal, this friend of his to know the Lord, to discover what the Lord is like. And he goes, I didn't do it that day because I wasn't, I wasn't able to think this, but he goes, if if I did it now, I would stand up and I would shout at the top of my lungs, Jesus wants the rose. Wow. And that's what's going on in Hosea ultimately. What about Gomer? She's the prostitute, right? And, And you know, like, what about her? Because God loves Gomer right? God loves the prostitute. He died for the prostitute. He rose again. I'm sorry, I'm preaching now. Forgive me. But he's <laughs> like, this is the gospel, right? And, and I get fired up because it's, it, this is the ultimate. So see, this is why if you're a Christian and you start to read Hosea and you have gaspology, you have this, this sort of like, oh, how dare he talk about, how dare he talk about um, Hosea marrying a prostitute? Because God loves the prostitute. Right. And he loves the prostitute before the prostitute even trusts back. That's right. It's again, God initiating the relationship, God reinitiating the relationship even, and then reinitiating it even yet again and continuing to reinitiate in as many times, you know, just amazing really. And so really this book is, is very, very practical for um, this time in our world where we are all just feeling so lost we are. and confused and unsure. And we're wrestling with where do we go from here? And, um, you know, as I just feel like it's worth at least just saying as you read this book you really you do really start to see the graciousness of God mm. that God wants people to to return back to him just as that story with the prodigal son i mean yeah. we this it's it's just worth saying that this book really possesses all of the themes of every other part of the Bible. This is what, it's, what, it's like I've already kind of planned my my first sermon for the series, and like that's where I'm going to begin. Is like Hosea helps me believe the Bible to be true because it's so audacious. It is so 
arrogant in its presentation as a prophecy, an Old Testament prophet throwing it at us, right? And, and you know, you're going to see all the themes of scripture. But like you said, you said about it connects everything together and you see who God really is. Is he just? Yes. Oh, but he is love. And those two are never mutually independent. They're, you know, they're, they're not, they're not, one does not prevent the other. They fulfill one another through his, through who he is. Yeah, that's great. I think that's good. I agree. I think that's awesome. I agree. I think I I wouldn't do any more from okay. There. Yeah. So. Well, very good. I I this was fun, and I, and I didn't know quite where it was going to go, and I loved I love how it went because the, it's just it is it. You could talk about so many different things. I think for me, I continually wrestle with the trust part of it. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it very much, again, feels like somebody's putting the thing that right. back into my court. There's something that I need to do. Yeah. The trust part of it. And yes. then you got the whole, you know, that old hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way <laughs> to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Yeah. I am familiar with that old hymn. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, and what, that, what's so frustrating about that hymn is it, to me, it creates sadness. There's no other way. Well, if that's true, then how can anyone be saved? Right. And, and, and that's why, so the, you talk about trust. Okay. Think about it. trust. Let's just take that word. Trust means that you, at the end of the day, I have to look across the table at you and say, you know, Johnny, I agree with you. And I think you're, I think you're on, you're on point and I'm going to, I'm going to let you run with the ball or the same you would say to me, you're like, okay, I, I'm going to hang out with you. I'm going to listen. I'm going to, we're going to have a relationship. We're going to build a friendship, you know, and that ultimately it can never, it never is fulfilled other than when the promise is given and that promise sets in your lap and you either believe it or you don't. If I say to you, I will, I will, I'll be there for you. And you know, ultimately the only way you would know that it's not true is if you need me one day and I'm not there. Then you're like, no, you're not. And then the promise is broken. And all of our relationships with humans end up that way at, to some degree or another. With God, he never fails. And so that becomes where the trust is. And that's why we just, we struggle to believe that that's possible, that that even exists in the universe. That's why we always have to look. When you struggle with trust, look at the cross. When you struggle with trust, look at the cross. And then I have to say it again. When you struggle with trust, look at the cross. Because then... What did I do to make the cross happen? What did I do to put Jesus on the cross? What did I do to make him love me even while he was there? And you might say, well, my sin put him on the cross. Yes, it did. My, my failures put him on the cross, every bit of it. My adultery and my, my betrayal of him and my re rejection of him, all those things put him on the cross. 
but what'd you have to do with the empty tomb? <laughs> what'd you have to do with the empty tomb? He rose from the dead, baby. And that's that at the end of the day was all him. And, and that's why I love Romans chapter six, verses three through five. We were buried with him by baptism into his death. And we were united with him in his resurrection. All of it. He did all of it. Yeah. And I think that's where, when we talk about our relationship with God being a covenantal relationship with God, like you mentioned, you say the word, the promise, right? You know, I think that's, that's where it comes from. That's, that's how it makes sense to me that it's like, yeah, the trust is not there. Like Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm not a trust generator. The trust is generated because of hearing and experiencing the promises of God and seeing those promises fulfilled. Yeah. There's this scene in Aladdin, the animated Aladdin and um, Aladdin is, has been, you know, uh, the, the bad guy has put Aladdin in the water and he's sinking down and he's about to suffocate or drown. And the genie somehow gets awakened and he goes down there and he's like, he's he's like, Aladdin, I need you to make a wish. I need you to make a wish. Do you want me to save you? And then like, he sort of tilts his head and it looks like a yes. Like he nods. Yes. He's like, that's a good enough. And then he saves him. Right. But I love it because what he did is Aladdin was unconscious. He couldn't make the wish. So he just kind of swishes the water a little bit so it would make him say yes. <laughs> that I mean, it's a silly point in a movie, but it captures what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us the ability to do something we cannot do on our own, to even believe. The, even, even the ability to let the promise rest in our hearts, he gives us that too. Yeah, and it's like, why would God love us while we were yet sinners and I you know personally I still can't answer that question (laughs) and it's in the continual wrestling with it that ultimately for me is changing my life Mm. because it's the I don't know why I don't know why and I don't do work so that God will love me more God loves me I don't worship more so that God will love me. God loves me. And it's what ends up happening is, is that the works and the worship come after, not before, after and not, and not to make it happen. Right. It's already happened. It's because it already happened. Yeah. If I tried to do it at the beginning so that I could do it, I'm not putting my trust in anything. Right. right. And yet, if I just continue to hear week in and week out, God loves me. He loves me now just as much as he loved me then. He loves me later just as much mm-hmm. as he loves me now. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly, when you start talking about this, you really, it is, it is, audacious it is unfathomable it is so much bigger than me it's so much bigger than politics it's so much bigger than what my church denomination is it is this thing that is just above and beyond truly understanding and comprehension Mm -hmm. and that's what does the changing because then it's like you know, some of the things that I've struggled with that I've been delivered from that I definitely want to talk about in future episodes, 
it's like people ask me, well, how did you, how did you do it? How did you do it? <laughs> how did you stop doing that thing that you said that you just, that for the life of you for literally over a decade, you could not stop doing. Right. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just know that God had something to do with it. Yeah. And I think it has to do with that realization of like, God is not looking for me to do a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -mm. I mean, in some regards, it's that paradox that you were talking about. It's like, in some regards, God kind of doesn't really want me to do anything. Yeah. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Right. Jesus said, go and learn what that means. Because does, does God want people to do bad things and to be stuck in addictions and all those things? No, but it's not because of the acts of doing it. It's because he knows you're hurting and you're empty and you're right. And it, and he wants to come and fill you. And that's, that's always the difference. It, it, it's, it's never the action. That's the issue. It's always the heart. And that's why ultimately the answer to the question of how, how were you saved from all that answers? Jesus. <laughs> right. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to whoever believes in him. Most people think that believes means obey. It doesn't. It's pastuo. It's not a kuo, right? A hippokuo, I should say. It, it's, it's, it's believe. It is not obey. Obey comes out of, it's like this. It's like if, it's like if you, your dad died and, and, or maybe you didn't ever have a good dad. Like you said earlier, maybe some of us don't have good fathers. And then all of a sudden a father adopted you or you found out he really was your father and somehow you just never knew him. And not only is he your father, but he's like perfect. He's like everything you ever wanted and like way beyond what you wanted. So don't you think you'd want to like go watch the football game with him or go fishing with him or go have a burger with him or whatever you like to do with your dad? I mean, whatever that stereotype is, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah, you would. You'd want to like spend all kinds of time with him and do all kinds of things with him. Not because you need to obey, but because you love him as much as he loves you. 